Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber, and I am beyond excited today to have Jen Fox with me. If you haven't met Jen Fox, let me introduce you to her first. She's the Director of Service and Operational Compliance at Terminex and a 17-year veteran people manager in the pest control industry. She has led teams in both the field and headquarters across multiple functions. She is known for connecting people, her passion for the pest industry, and choosing the best approach to help her team build trust with field-facing teammates in stressful situations. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thanks, Sue. I'm so excited to be here with you. Me too. Okay, everybody, just be ready to laugh because Jen is inherently funny without even trying. She just makes me laugh every time I talk to her. So be prepared for for a good time in our conversation today. So I would love to hear how you got started in your career at Terminex. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's definitely not something I grew up thinking one day when I become an adult, I'm going to go kill things. That's not, I don't think really any little girls, <laughs> any, any idea. And so I, I was working a retail job. I was going to college and putting in my, you know, 7.5 hours a day. So we didn't get into the overtime territory. And when I graduated college, I started looking for my, I, I call it quote, my adult job. And the store I worked at was wonderfully flexible. And they said, just go do interviews and whatever you need. So I had a really good culture I came from. And my mom said, hey, there's a job fair at the casino. You should go. And so now, 17 years later, she says, I owe her money. (laughs) She helped me find this job. And so I was like, that's a lot of money. And she's doing math and getting it back to me. That's fair. I said, you cut out a newspaper article. So I guess that's fair. And I went to this job fair and they had rows and rows of booths and it was, you know, cell cell phones at the mall and anything you could think of was under this very large banner of job fair. And I'm walking from row to row and I was like, Terminex, I "I think that's bug stuff. And I went to UC Riverside, which has a world renowned entomology department. And every day I walked past that building and thought, please God, nothing come out. And I'd walk to the business. So I didn't even take advantage of that while I was there. And I started talking to them and the gentleman who was recruiting, I just loved. He had this wonderful charisma. He was so friendly. And he said, why don't you fill out an application and then come in? And at the time they did kind of these personality exams. And I showed up for that and I was the only person there. And I was like, well, I guess they didn't get a lot of people from the job there, but I'll try it out. Why not? Worst case scenario, I get an interview out of it and I start my interviewing skills And lo and behold, 17 years later, they pulled me in and I'm still here and (laughs) learned more about bugs than I ever thought I would. And I remember going home telling my parents, I'm going to work for Terminix as a manager. And they were like, you're going to do that. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's a great opportunity. Growing industry. Wonderful. They're like, you know, you leave spiders under cups for other people to kill, right? 
I'm like, no, I, I know. I'm not really sure how I'm going to learn this and get it done, but it, I, it's a good industry and I'll be fine. And I thought at the time, you know, maybe five years, I'll have some good management experience on my resume and never thought it would be, you know, such a, a long career with such great people, but it definitely turned into my life. It's really my whole adult life has been, I, I jokingly say it's the soundtrack of my whole adult life has been, you know, Terminex. And I've been married to this company longer than my husband. So I was like, well, you married into the family, man. You knew what you were doing. So yeah, it was interesting in all from a job fair. Yep. That is amazing. Well, I think most people and myself probably included before I started doing work with, you know, the organizations that you have been part of is that it's traditionally a men's field, right? There aren't, yeah, I wouldn't have thought there would be a lot of women. And I have since met some amazing ones, including you. And I was just curious, how are things changing in the pest control industry in general to, you know, inspire more women to join like you did 17 years ago? It really, it really has changed. Um, when I started, I think there were two of us in that I knew in California, and, and I didn't know a lot of other companies at the time. And now we have our national association, NPMA. They're holding a women's forum, and it's a meeting for a bunch of women around the country to meet. That did not happen. 17 years ago. And we have uh, within that organization chapters of professional women in pest management. And that's been amazing to, to link up with women in other companies to say, we're not competitors. We're here to help each other and lift each other up and give each other ideas and, and be advocates for each other. And that's been wonderful too. And because of this, and more women seeing there is support in these predominantly male, you know, traditionally male industries, that you can have a career, you can ha find people who want to help you and support you and lift you up. It, I think other men have taken notice. And so the more women that get into the industry, they go, wow, there's a lot of value there. And there's times that, you know, we're going into customers' homes. I'm automatically less of a threat because I'm a female talking to another female in their home. And not that it means the boys do anything bad, but it's just, it's a different dynamic. And I think women bring a lot of empathy to the table. And so if you know someone's freaking out, I have spiders. I'm like, I understand. That's awful. And I feel sorry for you. <laughs> Let me help you. And then it's also a little bit easier sometimes to apologize. I understand you are unhappy right now. How can we help? And, and the listening skill set. So I'm very proud to say, I think that people are taking note of that and saying, wow, women do bring a lot to this industry and it should be more balanced. And so more than ever in the, at least the last two years, especially, um, and, and more people are connected, I think, because of COVID. And so we're getting more exposure to people because you don't have to physically be everywhere. People have embraced this virtual world that they get to say, oh, I, I've met more people than I normally would have. And what a great skill set. We want to bring that on board, too. And so we're hearing more in the last two years. How do we recruit more women? Where do we go find them? How do you explain it's not the grossest job on the planet? It's hard to sell something that's been featured on Dirty Jobs. And so, so that's always the challenge, too. But but yes, it has it has changed a lot. And I'm very proud of that. So I've spoken to many women in the NPMA and other locations in other states. And what's been interesting to me is that they are identifying gaps and creating new jobs for themselves, even that didn't exist before. So I think it's been very innovative in this industry in terms of bringing women in, but also allowing them to have empowerment to create new jobs, which is great. So cool. Okay, so you have had this amazing career. You've climbed the ladder at Terminex. Who has been someone who's a big influence in your life as a leader? I, I really sat and I thought 
about this question because there's so many people that have touched at different points and I've been very lucky that they've come through at times when you need them. So sometimes they say the universe provides and that's true. And of course you have to throw out, you have to shout out your parents. Like I'm very fortunate. Both my parents were career parents and my mom's a nurse. My dad was a pharmaceutical sales rep and manager. And I got to watch both parents navigate careers and still have their family and take care of us. So it started with learning what that work ethic looks like. And then I was very lucky. I had a lot of very, I have a very lot of strong women in my family that had their own careers. So it was never off the table to do something a little out of the box and go charge into a men's industry and say, why not? Like, why can't I? That wasn't, no one in my family ever said to me, but you'll be the only girl. That wasn't even, they were like, you hate bugs. That was the concern. It wasn't, but you'll be the weirdo, which was great. And then I had my very first manager and not for my first job because I did odd jobs growing up. Like, you, you know, you the babysitting gigs and I did some umpiring and all, all kinds of stuff. I was a little hustler. And when I had my first retail job, my real tax paying, I'm in the workforce job. I had this manager, her name was Shara, and she's amazing. We still keep in touch online today. And, and to watch her run a store and to see a woman um, at my very young age, first career, just have all the schedules down and tell people what to do. And we opened a store from nothing. It was the four walls and we built the fixtures and she just always had it together. And she was fun to be around. And I thought that is a really cool example of a woman who can build a team and get everyone going. And it made you want to come to work and not miss schedules and shifts because you knew you'd kind of let her down. And like, we don't want to leave her there by herself. She's amazing. So that was really cool. And that, that kind of led up to the bug career. And then in there, I've, you know, 17 years spans a fair amount. I've come across a fair amount of people. And I had one of my first bosses. I still thank him to this day, John, and he always kept his promises to me, always. So as if I wanted to try a new job, if I wanted to try something, a crazy contest, whatever it was, he would say, yes, go do it, or I've got your back, or I promise if you do this, then this. And he always kept true to that, which was always incredible to me because in a corporate environment, and I'm sure this happens at many, many companies... It's very easy to plug someone in to the need of the company and not necessarily maybe what they want to do. And he was always like, pick what you want and I'll back you up. And then I was very fortunate. Um, at one point, I did work for a female boss at Terminex. I'm like, we're going to take over the world. And she taught me, Maddie taught me that you take care of your people. And not that I was never able to do that, but it was such a different dynamic to work for a female boss and be a female employee. Because you're just, you're looked at differently. So self-care was a big thing. Like, you know, if you need an afternoon, like take an afternoon and, and, you know, we traveled a lot. And so it was take a break, take that hour and take a breath and slow down and unpack your stuff before you get into the next thing. And she was just such a wonderful advocate for having a female employee. And then recently I had Ken was uh, one of my last bosses. And I still to this day put a post-it note up that says, slow down and breathe. Um, and he gave me such good practical advice that I, I grew up in New York, so I'm a fast talker. And people are always telling me, slow down. I'm like, but I get so excited. And I just want to run around and work myself up. And 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 one thing that he used to tell me, because I, I always, in my career, I try to be... You start to be polite. And you just say yes to everything. And you want to help with everything. And you feel like if you say no, you're going to be this bad guy. And even if you know something's a little off, it's like, oh, let me go do that for you. Let me do that. Yes, yes, yes. 
And he said something very interesting to me um, one time. He said, you know, sometimes you have to be a little bit of a mercenary and less of a missionary. And it gave me this permission to kind of advocate for myself in a way I hadn't been doing. And it wasn't like, go put up the good fight. It was, it, it just, it was such an interesting way to look at that. And I'm so thankful for that because I have that little voice in my head now that still goes, this is the time to speak up and it's okay to do that. And then my current boss is fantastic. We just went to the women's forum and we were looking around. There, were, there actually were a fair amount of men there that came to support, which was wonderful and listen. And I was there with two of my folks on my team and another one of my co-directors and we looked around and we said, you know what? There's a lot of men here that need to hear this and they need to listen and they need to internalize it and learn. And then we voted and said, you know what? Our boss is so great that not only does he advocate for his female employees, he advocates for everybody. And he really works on keeping us visible and knowing that we're respected and heard and they have our back. And and he's been fantastic. So we told Jason you don't need to attend these. We've grandfathered you out. Like you're, you're already there, man. Good job. So we made sure we gave him credit and let him know. So I've been very fortunate to have some big shoes that I get to, to follow behind and, and ask questions. And no matter where we're at in our lives, still go to those people and say, Hey, I have a question. Can I run this by you yeah. and keep those connections has been great. That's amazing. sounds like you've had some really inspiring role models and maintain those relationships, which not everybody always thinks to do. Because you never know when you may need a mentor or to ask some advice along the way as you go. So you named a bunch of different things there, but can you identify what you think like some top leadership traits are that you have really tried to emulate and become? Sure. I think, and especially in today's day and age, COVID kind of changed everything. Um, and we were used to going to each other. And I think I really took a moment to pause because I didn't have a team for a little while and then stood up a team during a pandemic. And I was like, I'm, I haven't even met some of these people. Like they're, they might be holograms for all I know. Like this, this could be where the robots take over the world. I've never met you. You might not be real. And that was always our joke for a while was I've never met you. You might not be real. You're amazing. Might be fake. And I think it was really listening and letting people feel safe and comfortable to where they could say, I need this. And maybe it wasn't even as an employee, maybe it was as a person. So we had so many you know, doctor's appointments and I'm feeling a little sick and I'm not sure to do with my family or my kid's home today because the teacher got sick. And it was really as a leader being flexible. And I think that's more a trait now we need more than ever and being empathetic to taking care of the whole employee. And I like to think I always did that. I mean, we had field workers. I mean, we had um, field employees, technicians, sales reps. I've, I've done a lot running branches in my career. And I've done things like help book doctor appointments. I helped write a quinceanera speech once. I don't know how good it was, but <laughs> I've done that. I have um, had kids come in on bring kids to work day. I mean, I always prided myself on having the team feel like they were all just a complete person. But doing it virtually was something very different we'd never done before. And so I think just slowing down and taking a, that breath and saying, what do you need to be at your best self? I think our whole team has embraced that and knows it's a safe place to tell anyone, I can't do this, or I need help with this, or I need this time. And just to say, if that's what you need, that's fine. If you get it to me at eight o'clock and you need to flex your hours, flex your hours. Um, because it's better that you are taken care of as a person. So that's always been very important. 
I love that. I think just you creating the safe space in general allowed people to have different conversations. And you're right. I think COVID definitely brought to the forefront that we have to not only just care about them getting work done, but about their mental health and their families and how everything's going. Many of you won't know this, but Jen is like on a first name basis with her team's significant others and will not hesitate to get them on the phone if that person isn't taking vacation or isn't doing what she's asked them to do um, in terms of helping themselves and having self-care. So uh, I think that's very unique. I don't know that I would have known all of my people's significant others' names to talk to them. So I think that's rare and unique and they love her. So I know you've had a lot of successes, but what would you think your biggest success is as a leader? I think it's connectivity. And, and finding the right people to be in the right room at the right time, even if it's a virtual room. And, and, I, and I came from the field and I'm so proud of that. And when this opportunity came, I cried in front of my region. I was like, I'm going to miss you. I love you. Like I would never see them again. I don't know where I thought I was going. Like I was getting beamed up to another planet or something. Um, but I, at that moment, I remember so clearly feeling in that moment, I'm taking all of them with me. And so now you go from this field leadership to corporate leadership, and it's a different kind of arena. And I said, now I get to take all the things we want and translate that into things we're going to do and say, okay, if we're going to make this decision, how's it going to affect these people? Well, I lived in that world. Or heck, let's go ask them and say, how's this going to affect you? If we make this change, what do you think? And to, so being able to connect the right people and saying, oh, you want to do this project? Well, I have two really great people you should talk to. So then coming from the field, connecting the field in corporate was always really important. That was my first priority. And then going into that corporate role, I started going once a month and I was kind of doing the telecommuting and the traveling before the pandemic. So I was already in that world a little bit when that started. And I was going once a month into our corporate office and then just finding people. Because for me, coming from the field for 14 years, you know, 13, 14 years, I had a lot of pen pals and email pals, and I'd never met them. So I would spend some time running around from floor to floor and office to office going, are you them? Are you them? Are you them? And I'd be like, where does this person sit? And I would run and I would just jump into a cubicle and give out, you know, a sticker or a magnet or googly eye some stuff or whatever. I'd be like, I finally meet you after 10 years. And it was really fun meeting these people in person because we didn't do the, the Teams calls and the Google Meets and all that. You sent emails. So it's like having all these weird long distance relationships. And then I got to go meet them all and really understand what they did, what was their function. And it might be departments I would have no reason to interact with, but I would make a reason to. And so then you start doing these big projects and you go, you know who else we should ask? Let's get this person because we talked about that. Or let's find this person because I think they have a good idea. Or this might affect their department. And we started just connecting. I started connecting all those dots. And it made it really fun because then when I wanted to do a project, I kind of had this pick list of great people I knew I could go work with. And that would change and, and do different things over time. So really just connecting folks. There's so much talent in a big organization if you spend the time to find out where everybody's at. And that was really what I prided myself on was making all those connections. I love that. Taking the initiative to not only meet them. I, I didn't even think about that because I had the same challenge <laughs> when I would go to corporate. I'd have to find all the people too. I just I didn't even think about it before you said it. Uh, but I think the other piece is that you didn't stay in your silo, right? You could have just stayed in your silo and met with the people that you know, but never taken the opportunity to go above and beyond that. And that just increased your network in such a big way. 
and allowed you to leverage them than when you needed them. And I was a team of one. So I didn't have a team when I started my director role. I ran around and got on everyone else's teams. I was like the lone just person jogging around going, what do you need? What do you need? And then I got a team. And so then I'm like, okay, well, how do I do that same thing, but with a group of people? Because now I wanted them to all be connected and feel like they're part of something, especially virtual, because we didn't have that week to run around in office and say, let me introduce you like, come on, everybody jump on board. We have a little virtual bus. We drive around and drop people off at cubicles. And so now it was, well, how do we take that and do that virtually? And so we started an idea. um, And I know we've talked about this, but I very affectionately call my team the Sherpas because when we put this team together, we said, all right, we're brand new team. We have these goals we want to accomplish. And what we know right now is it's an Everest size task. It's huge. And we probably need some oxygen and there might be an avalanche and we have no equipment and we don't really have climbers and we're figuring it out. We're sort of not at base camp, but dang it, you have so much experience and the know-how you are Sherpas and you know how to climb the mountain. So we have the expertise. And so I wanted to leverage that, but I didn't want them to feel like they were in a silo on a mountain in their, in their own little tents. So we started a thing called our Sherpa Brain Power Hour. And so then every other week, I've asked the team and said, okay, how, who do you want to meet? What do you want to know about? Give me a list and I'll go source all of that. And we've had people now from outside of our company. Um, we've really kind of grown this, but we'll grab leaders and maybe they repeat because we just want to stay connected. But every other week we have a guest on that either speaks about a program, a some kind of technology, just, just a meet and greet, just to say, you know, I know we're not physically together, but how does my team stay connected with all of that. And it's been great because now if they need help with something, they can, they're comfortable going to that person. I don't need to be involved. Not that I wouldn't be, but you always want people to feel that they're, they're able to kind of do that for themselves. I love that. Uh, could you share a little bit about what your role is? Because I think it's very interesting, not only that you have built this team, but also the type of role you kind of walked into and what you had to do to turn things around. Sure. Yeah, we we are the operational compliance team. So for short, we say we're the keep us out of jail team. Um, that's what we we keep make sure everybody is maintaining compliance with the rules and regulations and have their proper licensing. And I mean, really, on paper, it sounds so snoozy. And and then we go and audit to these standards. And that's not something traditionally people were really excited about because it's kind of the love child of the DMV and the IRS. And it's like, <laughs> cool, those two had a child and that's what auditors do. And no one traditionally is excited to say, yes, please come look at my business and tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. And the nice thing was with this team, and again, just a plethora of knowledge. I thought I was awesome. I'm like, I'm coming into this team at 15 years And I got a little boop on the nose and they're like, that's adorable. We've been here 30. I'm like, (laughs) okay, so (laughs) that's half of my time here. And, and so we sat down and we said, okay, we have a rare opportunity to create something new and rebrand it and refresh it because we've had iterations of it in the past. And we said, but so what do we want this to look like? And we've all had experience of being compliance people technical people, trainers. I mean, you name it, we've supported in some way. Everyone on the team has done some kind of support. And we wanted to make sure that if you are going to perform an audit, we don't slap down what we call the quote, you suck list. You're horrible. Here's all the things, fix it. And we're going to come back and you better have it done in 90 days or you know, we're gonna, you're going to get punched in the mouth. No one wanted it to feel that way. 
And so we said, okay, if we're going to do this, let's build out things that will keep everyone out of trouble. But at the end, even our output then transforms into a job aid. So it's really how can you help yourself? And then how do we help you understand and be clear on the expectations? And if you need help in the moment when we're done, we're going to spend half a day going through it together. So you can ask questions. You can get some helpful things that will make your job easier. Maybe it gets you home to your family faster. Maybe you just don't feel like you want to pull your hair out, scream into a pillow. Whatever that is, we're also here for you to get better. And that transformed everything. That made it to where now when someone on my team emails and says, Hey, I want to come visit you. Is next week okay? They go, yes, we've been waiting for your visit. We're really excited for you to come in person. That didn't happen in the past. We were like, you know, get away. We don't don't want you here. Um, And we have some rules too. Like we, we, our guiding principles are don't go do what annoyed you when you were in the role. So remember what that was like and go be the person you needed when you were in that role. Like just remember what it was like to sit in that chair. I think it's easy to forget when it's been a long time and our team keeps that in the forefront to say, I want you to be happy I'm here, not, you know, eat some raw chicken so you can get sick and go home. That's a better option. Like We don't want that to be the better option. And so I'm very proud of this team because everybody has bought into that culture and upholds that culture to where it's just, it's helpful. And we didn't want to be those people like, you know, oh, there's those people are coming. We wanted to, to feel like our people are coming to help us, you know, and, and I can call and ask a question and not be ridiculed or it was, it was very important. I'd rather you ask a question before you make a bad decision than be scared to ask the question and do it anyway. So I'm just, again, I will talk. I love my team. If you haven't, if you can't tell, I love them. I tell them I love them, um, but they really are amazing. <laughs> so how are you keeping them engaged? Because they are located all across the U.S. And, and just making sure that everybody's staying connected right now. It's difficult. It is something that I spent a lot of time thinking about because it's not like you can just fly everyone in readily. I mean, now now it's a little easier, but you know, you might as well get an Elon Musk rocket ship ticket. I think they cost the same to fly like across the country as it does to go to the moon. Uh, so the prices are a lot. It's limited. You have to worry about, is someone going to get stuck in an airport and have to change their address and live there now? So there's all these post, not that we're out of it, but kind of these post-pandemic, you know, the restrictions are gone, but now there's these other logistic challenges so it does keep us away physically from each other. We've only met as a whole team once since August of 2020. But when we did, the best comment I got from one of the wonderful gals on my team, she said, we walked into that room and felt like we knew each other for years. And they were, they were hugging each other and you know giving each other stuff. And, and I think it's because we stay connected and we use our virtual tools. So we have a team chat that is active all the time and we can ask each other questions. People can give a quick answer. And I always tell them, I said, time travel. If you're in the East Coast and you have a question, you're like, man, everybody else out this way is you know, off for the day or it's getting late. Time travel back to me. I'm in California. Or hit up you know, our guy in Hawaii. He's even further behind. He's <laughs> taking lunch, logging out. Like Leverage where know where everyone's at and you can leverage that. We've had people FedEx things to each other because it was 3 p.m. and the FedEx still had to come. I'm like, I can get that to you by tomorrow. Like we time travel <laughs> all over the country. It's That's amazing. Awesome. That's a really great way yeah, to think about it. It was really cool. And we tell other managers, we tell new managers, hey, if you're there late because you're trying to figure something out, don't forget you have a whole group of people. We try to make it feel like you could you don't want to only talk to your person. We are a team of people that has each other's back. So if you need to come grab someone three hours behind you because you're stuck on something, but it's late where you're at, utilize that. Know your time zones. We never had that before. 
And then we get to have fun too. And we really enjoy what we're doing. It's not something that people go, Oh, laws and regulations. That sounds enjoyable. That part's not so much fun. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of interpreting. Um, one of my gentlemen just made a good point the other day. He said, we're the translators. You take something really bulky and boring and we figure out how to apply it to other people. Um, I run, I ruin, well run through, I ruin a lot of songs all the time because I still drive a lot and travel a lot. And we make up weird songs about stuff. We have fun with things. We did a licensing program and I recreated Live in La Vida Loca is Live in La Vida licensed. So <laughs> hopefully, and I want you to have all the listeners in the world, but if Ricky Martin hears this, please don't sue me. It was an amazing <laughs> song and I love it and I'll stand by it. Um, I'll do my time. But um, And so we do some fun stuff like that. And then we also have one of my favorite things and it's so weird and we're now into the second year of it, but we have a chat called Happy Something Day and it's got about close to 70 people in it. It's from all different orgs. Now we add people, some people opt out. Um, but I got this calendar. Uh, now I'm on my second one, but I was like, man, it sucks being home by ourselves. I'm kind of lonely. We didn't celebrate enough. All of our celebrations got taken away for up from us during COVID. And my mom and I would joke, we're going to just have one giant Costco sheet cake and we're going to decorate it for the whole year. Everyone's birthdays, Christmas, Easter, everything's going to be on this sheet cake. And I started thinking, how can we get back some of our joy and our celebrations? And it wasn't even the big stuff because we do celebrate work anniversaries and birthdays. But I got this calendar and we started every single day celebrating a holiday. So today is happy national graduation uh, tassel day. And we put in the chat, it was like, who still has their tassel? And I was like, I do, but it's also national pack rat day. So does that make me a pack rat? And this whole other conversation uh, yesterday was um, national sea monkey day. And I never had sea monkeys. So to celebrate, I went on Amazon, I bought myself some sea monkeys and now I'll share with the team when my sea monkeys hatch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've learned the it's great we've learned the craziest things about each other and the rule in that chat is no business it's not a work chat it's not a business chat everyone collectively missed the water cooler chat the what did you do this weekend what's new and cool what's fun we had when it started one of our directors of communications um, she put together a pandemic playlist and we kept adding to it. I think we got to like 80 songs and it was like, don't stand so close to me. Um, you know, all, all these, all these songs. And so now every single day, it's very rare. We miss a day. Cause if I don't put it in there, uh, Chris puts it in there, somebody will post something and we've learned what food everyone likes, what food everyone doesn't like, um, who has pets. We celebrate all the pet days, a lot of foodies, a lot of gardeners. And by way of celebrating something weird every day, we had doppelganger day. And we found out one of our gal's sons looks like a quarterback, like wow. a famous quarterback. And everybody was like, that's amazing. So it's weird things, but it, it made it fun because it's better than any survey you could oh, send sure. out to people. Yeah. And it's just, it's in the moment. If you want to jump in, you jump in. If you don't have time, you don't have time. We tell everyone to mute it because it is all the time zones. So at 4 a.m., no one really cares. It's Sea Monkey mm -hmm. Day. Um, that's more like a 10 a.m. revelation, <laughs> yeah. but it's been, it's been fun. And it's little things like that, that just kind of bring some levity. So maybe you have five minutes in between calls. You want to see what we're celebrating. You can just jump in and just have a couple of minutes of like a giggle and that it makes it fun. It makes everyone stay connected. That's amazing. Yeah. I love, love, love that. So, I mean, just describing all of that kind of stuff seems like a great work culture, but is there anything else that you think 
you would love to have as a great work culture that you could create or be a part of? I think I think what we're doing right now, I'm having some of the most fun with my team that I have in a 17-year career. And I've, and I've managed some amazing service departments, some great branches, and I still keep in touch with those folks. It brings me so much joy when I see them in a meeting or I get a message from them and they say, hey, I just maxed my bonus or I won this award or I, I got a call from a uh, text from one of my former branches and they wanted to make sure I knew they were the top branch for the last six months. It was one of my old branches. I'm like, I'm so proud of you guys. And it, and every culture changes a little bit, but this team, I mean, there's just something there. It's just a magical group that, because with 13 people, you could have egos and they'd be well within their right to have egos. They are brilliant. They all bring something so unique to the table, but we have this great core that marched together. And then as we call it, everyone's got their magic sprinkle and their special cape that brings something unique and wonderful to the team that makes everybody unique. And we celebrate all of that. And so I think um, it, it's hard to compare because everything is so different in your career. But what we're doing right now, just to be helpful and listen and partner, we always say like partners, not police, because nobody wanted to go in with a badge and just say, you're wrong, you're bad. Peace. We'll see you later. Um, and so I think from a culture standpoint, it just, it's keeping people connected and listening and just, again, making it that safe place to be yourself. It gets okay to be a little weird and we're all a little weird. Let's be weird together. Why not? It's a weird world. Like let's just figure it out. And, and you can have some of that levity and some very serious, tough conversations because we deal with some of the toughest stuff that happens Um, regulatory agencies. You know, they don't call us to say it's Tuesday and we love you. Thank you. Have a good day. If we're hearing from a regulator, it's usually something we have to go handle. Um, so it's not the most fun stuff. It's not the most sexy stuff on the planet. Um, but we find a way to make it enjoyable and helpful. And that's been a big piece yeah, of it too. I love that. Well, I hope all the listeners are taking some of these ideas down that Jen is using because I don't think I've run into anyone who is doing what she's doing to really help engage, especially a remote workforce, the way that she is and to have that feedback that you got that everybody felt like they knew each other and had just met for the first time. I think that says a lot about you and the team. I think that's just so cool. So this is a podcast about visibility, and I know you're doing some of that, but what are you doing to make yourself visible, but also the team? So this is where, if I could come through the screen, I would hug you right now because you've been such a big part of this journey. <laughs> I'm like, I wear shirts that say, call Sue. Um, <laughs> so, um, and I don't know if people know, it was really kind of through happenstance that we found each other because I was at the women's conference, the first one in person, and they had some auction items and you very graciously donated an hour of your time and your book. And I was like, that sounds interesting. And, and I have long since struggled with being visible myself. And it's always easier for me to say, okay, here's this team or here's this person. But then you realize doing it for yourself, it's hard because you feel braggy or you feel weird or whatever it is. You don't really know how to tell your story. So I put in a bid on this and I got the email, congratulations, you won. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, That's great. I like reading books and this will be cool. And we started chatting and I I almost cried reading the intro to your books. I'm like, did she spy on me? Did, did you have my house bugged? Like, what is going on? And I, and I went, oh my God, now I can't wait to talk to you. And so going through, and if you guys have not picked up Sue's book, you have to. Like, I, I, I want to get them in bulk and drop them from a helicopter on people's lawns. And be like, you have to read wow. this. Um, oh my gosh, I can so, hug you now. <laughs> and I, I bring it up in every PWIPM meeting. They ask about speakers. And I'm like, guys, and it's not just for women. I mean, we, I think we feel it a little bit more 
because it has been, you know, I don't want to say an invisible segment of our business, but we've had a different road to be more visible as women, but it's really for everybody. And one of my big concerns was as leadership changes or as we have structural changes to just our organization, all these things that are coming up and that seem to happen frequently, I was struggling with how do I retell my story yet again? Because your 17-year clock will reset and your whole history gets wiped out and you go, well, I know everything I did for 17 years, but this new person that just came in has no idea about any of that. And I can't assume they really necessarily care to hear about a 17 year. Let me talk to you for 14 hours and tell you about my 17 years. So you get a very limited time to do that. And so going through the process with you and really sitting down and saying, okay, how do I tell that story and and just warm up those conversations has been fantastic. So we have worked on our personal brand statements, which if people don't know what that is, it's a great exercise. It's, it's like a, a friendlier resume. And so it goes through your personal hobbies and your credentials. And we added in, you know, and there's any awards or things you're proud of. And it's a one sheet on yourself to say, I know we haven't met yet. I'm excited for our meeting. In the meantime, here's something about me. And then I took that and expanded it. And our whole team was game. And again, this is why I love them because I explained I was doing this for myself. But if you'd like to be part of the process, you know, here's what we want to do. And the whole team did them. So now we have this beautiful deck with their 2021 accomplishments, some of the things we've shouted out, a kudos, we call it our win bin. They have their brand statement and it's our virtual meet and greet deck. And I can send this to any new leader and say, if you really want to get to know my team before you can come meet everybody, here's what this team is about. And then coupled with telling the story. And that's a big thing too, is can you tell a good story about your folks? Because anyone can say, here's the stuff we do. But the how we do it and the why we do it that way, that's the secret sauce. Because there's a reason we do things that way. We made a conscious decision to say, I want to help you. Here's how we want to do it. And here's why. And that you can rally around. Anyone can do a checklist or a to-do list or an audit list. But we wanted to be very thoughtful about that. And then so then you take that. And uh, right now we just we worked on a PowerPoint presentation of the team and telling the team's story. Now, I love them. I know everything they're doing. I meet with them all the time. But I wanted them to have input too. So we spent a few weeks on our team calls saying, okay, here's slide two. What do you guys want to add to it? So now if I get abducted and you know the aliens come for me and I'm gone, any one of them could take that deck and tell the team's story. And it would all be the same story. And I'm very proud of that. And I, and I think it's a great team that's willing to give so much of themselves for the greater good and just tell the entire, the Sherpa story, um, which is great and have that identity <laughs> behind it too. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that we did together was um, create words around the Sherpa, nope. you know, the acronym for Sherpa, which her whole team did together, which I also think, you know, her team is very unique, but I think it's because of your leadership that they, they came together and see the benefits of all the things that you're doing and learning and sharing with them. So it just helps them grow and be bigger leaders too. Well, you get to be a head Sherpa, Sue. You're an honorary Sherpa all the time. (laughs) uh, I'm going to come talk to your team. I think that would be so fun. That would be great. So one of the things that we do in this podcast is called Rise Up and Be Visible Quick Tips. And so this is kind of the speed round, uh, but you can say as much as you'd like about each of these. But the first one is fill in the blank. Visibility is? To me, visibility is 
having others understand your story, kind of like what we were just saying. So when, when I can tell you what we're doing and how we're doing it and someone can turn around and explain that to someone else, if I'm not there, I feel like we've made a visible impact because I think people say visibility and they think visual, like I'm physically am in front of you, but I think visibility is just being present and, and being part of conversations, being at the table and being in the forefront and thought of when maybe an idea comes or a project comes and people having that light bulb going off going, I know the right person or the right people for that. And so it's just, it's, it's not being hidden away in a little silo. It's just being part of something bigger. Do you have advice or a tip that you could share with the listeners on what you have done to be visible? I think it was having a network and finding people who are like you and finding that support system. And it doesn't have to be in your own company. Um, it can be you. It can be a coach. It can be somebody that has great similar experience, but somewhere else. And that's okay. And just finding like-minded people that you can go to and say, hey, I'm going to explode if I don't talk to somebody about this. And I just, or just needing a gut check. Sometimes you need a gut check because I'm like, I feel kind of crazy right now. And I need to know if this is legitimate crazy or the moon and the stars crazy. Like, help me out, talk through this. And I think it is building that network. And it's been a blast these last couple of years meeting other women who have built their own little mini empires. Like, they're running a company, which is amazing, or they're doing the same function. At a different company. And, and so always having that network open, that took me a while to really look outside of just our company, but look to the industry. And in a way, I'm so mad I waited so long to get involved, but I'm so happy I did it and just can keep rolling with that. So fine. And it doesn't matter what company you're in. There's some trade association. There is some network group. There is some, there's something out there to be involved with and find your, you said like, I found my people, you'll find your people. What is the one piece of leadership or career advice that you received that helped you the most? That is a few pieces because they're quotes. And so it's things that I've at some point written on a post-it note. I found on Etsy as a little, you know, poster that's in a frame in my office. Um, I, or things that someone I've worked with, we would poke loving fun at them and say, that's on your t-shirt. That's your ism. It's that person's ism. So things that we've kind of kept in the forefront was know who you're having dinner with because that changes and it changes who you're around and, and kind of read the room, but know who you're having dinner with be here now. That was a big one too. And that's even harder because you can get distracted and it's very easy to multitask, especially we all have multiple monitors and you're trying to be on a call, but an email comes through. And so it's really be in that moment. People know when you're distracted. They absolutely do. Um, and then my favorite, like my slow down and breathe. I constantly am like, okay, take a breath, take a breath, <laughs> like slow down, just breathe. Sometimes you're just breathing. I'm like, I don't want to breathe. And you yeah. get so mad. I'm not going to breathe. I'm like, I sound like a toddler. That's like what toddlers do. I hope I'm going to hold my breath. Um, and I have a friend that I worked with and it, it made me laugh so hard. She, one day she out of clear blue, she goes, I think I need a nap and a snack. Aww. I was like, I think we all need a nap and a snack. <laughs> going back to daycare. Just have a I nap think it matters how old you get. <laughs> You just need a nap and a snack. And then one of my favorite quotes, and I do have this in a frame in my office, and it's the Teddy Roosevelt quote. And it's the people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that's very true because I can have all the letters after my name, all the credentials in the world. I can know everything top to bottom. But if I don't care about people, 
and I don't care about their success, none of that matters. So all your book stuff, all your credentials, that goes right out the window. So that becomes impressive when people realize you're there to help them. So a few different, few different things there. Right. And I think that's evidenced. Um, so Jen just won an award, which was actually, she was recommended by one of her team members for that. So that's, that says a lot about you as a leader too, just knowing that people are seeing what you're doing and want to recognize you for that. I think that's so impressive. Okay, so this one, the last question, what books have you read recently that you love and would recommend? I was like, oh, I've been waiting for this. It's my favorite one because <laughs> I keep your book with me. I really do. I truly do. Oh. I get my backpack. Um, it really is Sue. I can't tell. I tell my mom all the time. I'm like, you have no idea, mom. Like I, Sue came into my life. It's like, okay, you hear the planets are going to line up. And then sometimes it happens with people. And I just, and I love you for it. So I have your book and I keep that Aww. as kind of almost like a guide. Um, so that's always in my backpack. I'm um, giving out that out to people. Um, I still use, I go back to, I, I, they used it in my master's class. And um, I still have one of my professors who I love dearly. Should we call her my mind twin mom? Um, she's gave birth to my mind twin, which we have now become great friends. And, and she's been so much more than a professor, like really a life mentor. And she had in that program, one of the books we read was Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Woolman. And there's a lot about IQ, IQ. You have to be smart. You have to know your business. You have to know your stuff. But then there's the emotional intelligence side of it. And I think all leaders should read that book. And then one thing that we did, and this is a shout out to Ken and Jason, both as leaders, we went through the Strengths Finder. And uh, in our team, when you have so much experience, there's not a lot you're going to change in people when you get to a certain point in your career. So we made the conscious decision to say, now, how do we leverage strengths? And the team went through it. And so I followed up with them. We were getting all their strengths coming in. Here's my five. Here's my five. And, and I said, okay, well, what did you think though? How did you feel about the activity? And they were like, I feel like someone bugged our house also, because there's no way an assessment can be that accurate. I'm freaked out. And then they gave it to their spouses to say, is this accurate? And they're like, oh yeah, we're going to write to Don Clifton and tell him, I don't know how he pegged you, but I've been trying to figure it out for years. <laughs> <laughs> and this just went through it. That's and so it was a great wild. exercise. And so as a team, as a, as a people leader, put your team through that exercise because it will, it will show you as a leader, how do I leverage what everyone's good at? Cause you can spend a lot of time trying to fix what doesn't work, or you can take what people are good at and try and help making them great or plug them into things that you know, they're going to help be successful at. And that was a great exercise. So those are my favorites um, that I keep pretty handy nearby me all times. Love that. Well, I'm so glad that you see my book as a guide because that's really what my goal was, was for it to be a guide for people to leverage through job changes and transitions and just when they need a little inspiration. So uh, I love that. And I totally agree with you on the strengths piece. I think it just helps people understand not only themselves, but also how to leverage each other and learn from each other and things that someone else is strong at that you're not. So to me, um, doing it with the team is a great, great exercise. If if you haven't done it, listeners, I would highly echo what Jen said and just uh, really get the book and do the quiz. And it's just kind of fun to see where everybody ends up too. I think that's so fun. Well, uh, Jen, I would love to know where would you like people to connect with you if they'd love to learn more about your Sherpa process, <laughs> your team and other things that you're doing, where would you like them to reach out to you at? Probably the best way to reach out would be on LinkedIn. So just Jen Fox, um, pretty easy. You'll see, uh, 
see the ACE credential after it. But yeah, LinkedIn would definitely be the best place. And I'll put your link at the bottom of the show notes so they can just click on the link and be able to reach you. But thank you so much. Uh, I told everybody that she would make me laugh. She just has a gift and I laugh with her all the time. So I'm lucky enough to get to talk to her on a regular basis. But I really am happy that you could come on and everyone else could get to meet you and hear the cool really inspiring and very innovative things that you're doing with your team and your culture. I just think it's it's a rare and unique thing that others can learn from. So I'm so glad you could be here. Thanks, Sue. This is great. I was so excited and it did not disappoint. So thank you. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks everybody <laughs> for joining the Visibility Factor podcast today and we'll talk to you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.